to Inner Bloom, a podcast about how to live a happier, healthier, more harmonious life as you learn how to work with the universe, reconnect with your intuition, and bloom from within. I'm Alexa, a writer, producer, and EFT practitioner with a passion for all things metaphysical. And with me is my friend and co-host, Ambie. I'm Ambie, a physical therapy assistant, mom of three, an intuitive medium who has been communicating with the spirit world since the age of five. Some might call it woo-woo, but from our perspective, anything is possible, and we intend to normalize the abnormal by sharing our own life experiences as well as intuitive insights, channeled material, wisdom from special guests, and any other resources we believe will help our souls expand and thrive. Hello, all you bloomers. Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Alexa Hauser, and with me is my co-host, Ambrosia Matthews. Hello. How are you? Welcome. I am – see, that's why I ask how everybody's doing all the time because you ask me. So oh. see, this is just my normal thing. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um we are really excited because we have one of our newer friends, newer amazing soul sister connections, um, speaker and relationship coach, Julia Phoenix with us today. Hi, Julia. Welcome. Hello. I'm so, so excited to be here. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We When did we link up? What, what month? It was only like a month ago, right? Wasn't month that ago? September? Like a month and a half, month and, and back half. in November was November. when we, we met. In November, in but I'd been following you guys for a while because oh. you did the Money March with Leela, and that was right around the time that I met her. And so I listened oh. to the series, I listened to some other stuff, and um, so I already knew who you guys were. I was oh, oh snap! <laughs> Wait, that's exciting. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so um, we met Julia through our money and business coach, Leela Veronica, who has been on this podcast, as she just mentioned. Uh, you first heard her through the Money March series. Some of our retreat participants know her. She was at the last retreat. Um, and Leela herself had a retreat for all of her coaching clients a couple a month and a half ago in Colorado. And so Ambrosia and I were there. And Julia was one of the amazing women who was there. And um, and yeah, we really got to know, we really got to experience, Julia, like your passion for what you do, which I think is, uh-huh. is the thing that is so um, impactful about you and infectious about you. Um, you're so passionate about like relationships and healing and people not being alone and people feeling connected. And so um, really excited to dive into that because I think that's a topic that's that's very relevant right now for our audience. Um, but before we do any of that, why don't we hear a little bit more about you and your story and, you know, what – I know this is broad, but like what your life has been like yeah. up until this point. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I'm like – literally writing a book about it. So I could talk for like an hour. Um, But I won't do that. I will (laughs) say, um, you know, it's been a a bit of a hard road to get here. And that's just the truth in terms of where I'm at today. Um, And it's been worth it. Uh, But I I grew up in, you know, a really affluent area um, in in California, Palo Alto, to be exact. Right, right, just just right across the street from Stanford, basically. Um, but there was a lot of it was a lot about appearances in my family, and in that culture, really. But not a lot of uh, genuine, healthy, functional relationships. Let's just kind of put it that way. And uh, you know, so I, one thing that's sort of interesting, and I know you guys are are. Are really on the spiritual sort of metaphysical tip. I'm of a generation where, um, you know, a lot of us are actually being born to families that are, uh, you know, new agers, right? So my parents were new agers, but they were also a part of this kind of Eastern spiritual cult, um, which had a really seedy underbelly. Uh, The founder of that organization was a pedophile. My father was a pedophile. Um, I suffered a lot of abuse inside the home, but it's like this white picket fence, sort of like when we go out, everything's fine. Everything's okay. So it was this, 
you're not allowed to talk about it, mm. you know? Mm. And, uh, and I carried a lot of secrets with me. You know, I carried them inside my body. I carried them inside my mind. I felt dirty because of, because of it. I felt broken because of it. Um, but I learned how to pretend and play a good game. I developed a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms just to get through. And thank God that I did because it helped me to survive. But I, uh, I struggled with eating disorders um, since the age of eight and drug addiction and alcoholism since age 13. Uh, I've been sober now for um, over 10 years, which is wow. amazing. Good for um, you. Thank you. That was, a, I mean, recovery has been a huge aspect of my awakening, my personal growth, you know. So I basically spent the entire decade of my 20s working my ass off <laughs> in 12-step recovery, in therapy, um, you know, just doing a lot of personal development work, doing a lot of healing work. I did a lot of somatic therapy to help me get back into my body um, and really show up. And then when I was 29, I went to go and train with Teal Swan. And I had already been doing a lot of inner child work and things like that. I should also say that my area of study and my career at that point in time was working with children, early childhood education, um, my master's degrees in human development. So I was so fascinated and still am by the idea of looking at how our early experiences shape us, especially relationally, our relationship to our parents, to you know our siblings, to... Uh, our communities, how that impacts us over time. Um, and, you know, Teal Swan is a survivor of just an incredible amounts of um, abuse and, uh, you know, herself. And so she developed a process to heal PTSD. Um, it's called the completion process and it involves inner child work. And so that was really a huge turning point for me. For those who know astrology, it was my Saturn return. So yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, you think you're going to be over here doing this, yeah. <laughs> you know, working with kids, living over here, hanging out with these people. We're going to put you on this path, right? So yeah. it was sort of like I just started, um, it, it, I started seeing people as clients, you know, started first charging like 30 bucks a session or something like that. If Leela's watching this, she's going to shake her head. But, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just something that I loved to do. I loved mm -hmm. to help people. I, I knew how to speak to people's inner children because I worked with children, you know, and um, I loved to see the transformation. And I started to also, as I connected deeper and deeper within myself and understood more about who I was, I started to connect at deeper and deeper levels with people. And I had been terrified of humans my entire life and didn't even know it. Yeah. And a lot of healing happened for me just when I began to open up to authentic, vulnerable connection with other humans. And that's why that's my primary focus now. A big catalyst for, you know, a lot of my own inner child work and, and healing in that area, you know, as far as my childhood, I, I, I definitely mentioned the recovery was a huge part of it, but it was also a really intense relationship that I was in, in my twenties. And your viewers might be familiar with like the twin flame mm. soulmate kind of a concept it was sort of like that. It was very catalytic, And I was trying to understand my reactions to this. It's like, I'd been working on myself for a while. I'd been, you know, doing the deal. Um, and I was, I was having these big reactions and just feeling all of a sudden in a conversation, like I was two years old and frozen and couldn't talk. And I was like, what is going on here? Mm. You know? So that was one of my biggest ins. Um, and I see how the pain point of relationship for people is often what guides them towards their awakening actually because people it's a strong desire for humans and desire as i'm sure you guys know mm -hmm. is the the primary driving force of expansion in this universe mm -hmm. right so if if we're if we're operating around that desire for relationship huge shifts are possible mm. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and now, yeah, now this is just what I do full time. And I see people privately and, um, I also speak to people and I have a group program as well. And I live in community with my amazing partner and, uh, you know, four other individuals, uh, and that was my life in a nutshell. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I did okay. Yeah. You did great. That, that's a really interesting and um, yeah, it's a really interesting story. And I think, you know, again, like I'm I'm just kind of I'm really taken, I think, by your presence with all of this. Cause like it's it's I don't know. It's just very interesting. Some people I feel like can just they have a calming effect over you just by being so sure of who they are and what they're here to do. Mm. And I think you have that. And it's very, it's very healing and calming to be in your presence. And I think in with regard to relationships, that's something that is r- rarer because I think relationships uh. are actually a big trigger for people, right? When they start talking about relationships, it's like all this stuff comes up. And so – I just wanted to say that I think you're, you know, it's so amazing that you're working in this realm because you actually have such a calming effect on me, at least. Um, But thank you. Yeah. Um, But so let's like dive into, you know, relationships and connection. And um, what is something that you feel really strongly about in that area? Maybe something that, a lot of cl- your clients are dealing with right now or something that you think might be really important for our listeners to hear in that area? Oh my gosh. So many things I could say. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I think is that most people have no idea actually how lonely they really are. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that especially in the U.S., most people are very acclimatized to loneliness. And it's not necessarily loneliness in terms of there are no people around. Right. It's loneliness in terms of I'm alone in a crowded room. I'm alone with myself inside. No one can see me. No one can hear me. No one can understand me. And therefore, I don't feel connected Mm. to anyone. Or anything. And and the people in my reality, they're connecting to the mask I'm wearing. Yeah. So I never get to, it's like we're all living in these kind of glass bubbles, you know, and our bubbles are bumping into each other. And we're talking about pleasantries all the time. And we're chatting about, oh, what do you do? Or, you know, whatever. I've always been the type of person that that type of connection feels very draining for me. Mm. And genuine connection is nourishing. It is something that we need fundamentally. And I think that, especially, again, in the U.S., we have so much shame around our needs and primarily their connection needs that we have the most shame around, emotional needs. And what I want to say is that there are many needs that, and this is coming from a developmental theory perspective as well, this is biological, this is anthropological, sociological, this is scientifically studied stuff. Human beings need a certain amount of contact with other humans. They need certain things from other humans that they can't find within themselves. And for your listeners, this is, you know, a little bit controversial, um, maybe to some people who are really into the spiritual world, but I don't subscribe to the notion that when you're in a physical body, on planet earth, everything that you need is within. And, and, and that's where you find everything. Yes. It's important to have an inner connection. Yes. It's important to be connected to something outside of this dimension, something bigger. And if you're in a human body, have emotional needs, you need support. You need things like comfort. You need things like nurturing reassurance, you know, Mm-hmm. You need to be taken care of. People have so much resistance to this, so much shame around their needs to be t- taken care of in certain ways because it's scary, right? Because yeah. either either somebody took care of us and used it against us, mm-hmm. somebody punished us for even asking, mm-hmm. you know, 
And this is all programmed inside. And so people don't ask for help. And we have this belief, I'm supposed to do it all my, all by myself. I'm supposed to know the answers. I'm supposed to know how to do this. And then people walk around thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? Mm. And it's like, really? You think you're supposed to do it alone? There's like seven and a half billion people on the planet right now. Mm. Why the hell would we be here together if we weren't meant to utilize one another? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you do that though? How do you, like, I think it sounds on one hand, it sounds so easy. Like I need help. Right. But on the other hand, it's like, maybe you don't even know what you need help with. Yes. It sounds a lot easier than it actually is for a lot of us, you know, and that's why, um, you know, I think that a certain level of inner work is really, really important in order to get to that place where you can even stand in front of another human being and um, and be vulnerable and be authentic, you know, for some people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are those layers of shame that I spoke to. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of trauma. I, you know, I, I kind of did this motion earlier. Some of your listeners that aren't watching video won't be able to see, but I'm putting <laughs> my, my hands around my neck like a choke. I used to physically feel when I would try to speak up blocked, like it would get caught in my throat. My body said, "Uh uh-uh, no. Mm. And it's because I'd had so many experiences of that impulse to speak being shut down. Mm. And so the way that I like to work, my throat chakra. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the way that I like to work uh, and and the way that I like to work with people is, is looking at those things. Look at first, looking at the resistances, looking at the terror that comes up in your body. Some people feel repulsion around the idea of neediness, you know, mm-hmm. some people feel terror around it. Um, and it's, it's actually confronting those so-called negative emotions being in your body and going back along the timeline to when that imprint was uh, locked and loaded into your system. And then working within the memory or working with that specific part of you, that specific inner child to imprint something different. And the most important aspect of this, if you are looking at relational healing that you want, is actually to do it with another person. As much as we'd like to be able to just sit by ourselves in our room and like journal our way to being okay with people, um, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. But but that's why the therapeutic setting can be so beneficial. Coaches, mentors, one-on-one relationships. You know, I learned how to be safe inside of a relationship first with therapists, mm-hmm. you know, and then with sponsors and then with friends and then finally with a partner. But it's a, it's a, process of titrating our system can only handle so much at one time you know so we're relearning um our body is relearning our even our cells our nervous system um our inner children if you will uh which is really just a way of conceptualizing of our subconscious mind and our energy body Mm-hmm. They're relearning the language of relating to others. And, and we do that through new experiences. So it's a, it's a two-part thing is the, the, the work of going back along the timeline um, and then also having the new experiences. And then, and then getting really clear on like, I, can I curse on this show? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. curse yeah. up a storm. I was just going to say, who the fuck am I, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you sort of gave me this beautiful reflection of like, you seem like somebody that's really sure of yourself. Mm. And it's, it's really because I've done this work myself to strip down those layers mm-hmm. and get really real and honest about like, what is real for me? And, and what do I need in a relationship? Like, how do I need to be taken care of? How do I like to show up? What are my preferences? What are my desires? What are my needs? What are my boundaries? Because as you as you spoke to Ambrosia, like it, a lot of people just have no idea even what they want, right? And what they need, and and sometimes it's because when we were growing up, that wasn't even 
it wasn't important. Mm. And so we never thought about it, you know? Um, so I know that this, this is kind of a lot of information that I'm sharing, but, um, I don't know. I have a lot to share. So please like yeah. stop me if you have questions. No, keep, no I yeah, love it. Keep going. We love it. Yeah. And anyone who's watching on Facebook, if you have questions about relationships um, or anything we're talking about, please ask. And I know Julia mm. would be happy to answer. Oh, I love it. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. So can I ask you, what is your view on like twin flames and soulmates uh-huh. and all of that? Yeah. So – you know, I, I was speaking a little bit to that idea that desire is the most powerful force, really, in, in the, at least, I think, this particular time-space reality. It's the thing that propels us the most um, towards expansion. And, you know, source ain't dumb. <laughs> it's going to use that vessel Mm-hmm. for the purposes of our own healing and awakening. Because when we have those connections in relationship, and probably some of your viewers are going to resonate with this, and, and maybe even you guys can, I don't know. But when you have those kind of connections where it's like, oh my God, all of a sudden my heart chakra exploded when I saw this person and mm-hmm. the walls started dripping with love. And, you know, <laughs> like I was, uh, Kundalini started activating. It's like, we remembered all our past lives together. And then we, you know, whatever it is that your experience is, and it is different for everybody. Um, it, it gets you to pay attention. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. And it really wakes you up and you get tapped into feeling states that maybe even previously weren't available to you. Mm. In addition, that's going to bring up all the stuff. So that's why the twin flame relationships are the most difficult. The way that I think about it, because it's how it was taught to me, is that the twin flame relationships are um, a little bit more challenging, usually. Mm -hmm. The soulmate relationships, there tends to be more ease as far as coming together Mm -hmm. and supporting one another. Um, But I, I do actually think I'm of the mind that at this particular point in time on planet Earth, anyone can be in a divine partnership with anyone and Mm. do this work. So I don't want people to get hung up on the concept of this is my twin flame. This is my soulmate. Because what I see is people circling around and around and around. And I did this. I did this myself for four years with a particular gentleman because I was like, he's my person because he makes me feel Mm -hmm. this way. And because it's so intense. And I, you know, and really what it is and what I learned is that it's those inner children inside that never got to feel the love that they needed. Mm-hmm. And they experienced something with this particular person that felt really good. It was like instant, oops, it was like instant emotional intimacy, you know, mm-hmm. all of those needs being met in a moment. And it was also fantasy, right? But 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 a lot of it was like my inner children just hanging on to that for dear life because they didn't believe it could come through anyone else and they were hurting, you know? And so then they'll, they'll start getting the mental body starts kicking up and it's like, I can't stop thinking about this person. They're the person I have to do something. I have to fix myself. I have to, whatever it is. And that's why this thing is so huge. It's blown up on YouTube and social media. It's like everywhere because people are, um, people are really stuck in this loop. And so For me, what I feel is that if you're in a connection like that, that's been very catalytic for you, it's the hardest thing to do. And I get it. It's hard. It is not easy because those feelings are real. Mm -hmm. But when you feel that longing for the other person, when you feel those obsessive thoughts or compulsion, it's just remembering that it's about you. Mm. And bringing it back to where is the inner child in me that's hurting and feeling that loss? Mm. When did I first Mm. feel that way? What does she need? Mm -hmm. You know, or he? Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I was just thinking about a relationship I had in the past that was (laughs) totally – it's so interesting. Yeah, there are certain relationships that come in and just – 
they wake you up in a lot of ways. And I feel like yes. those twin flame relationships, they actually, they kind of come into, I mean, you're kind of saying this, but they come into kind of unlock certain pieces of you so that then you can go into other relationships that I feel like are more stable, or this is my perspective on it, more yeah. stable, they're more grounded. And like I think you were talking about like the soulmate. I mean, we all call, use these terms interchangeably, sure. so it depends. But um, but um, I wanted to, you know, piggyback on Ambrosia's question um, or just actually piggyback on what you said when you said I see people circling around a lot. And I mm. wanted to talk about this, you know, yeah, there's this idea, right, that there's always someone better, right? Like there's – and like with this culture we have with like Tinder and all these apps where it's like just swipe, just swipe. I mean in this spiritual community, I feel like it's it's a bit different. But in general, mm. I do feel like there's this common belief that's like, all right, I can always do better. I can – if I don't like mm. one thing about this person, I'm going to peace out and, mm-hmm. you know, I can right. just swipe or, you know – and I feel like that leads to a lot of – the point, what I'm trying to say is it feels like there's so much pressure to find this perfect person, right, to be in a mm. relationship with. It has to be perfect. They have to check all the boxes. And if something's not right, then, well, then they're not the perfect person and I'm going to go out there and I, I can – find. I, them. I should be able to find a perfect person of all the mm-hmm. people out there, right? So I was just curious of your take on that because I feel like that leads to a lot of unhappiness, all this pressure put yeah. on this one decision that like – there's no perfect person, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you make a really great point. I think that a lot of this is cultural programming, you know? I mean, women like like you guys and myself, we, we grew up watching Cinderella and the, all the Disney princesses and all the romantic comedies and all of the things where the happy ending for the female character is a relationship. And, and men are programmed in a similar way, actually. So we are looking for... Um, this fulfillment there, mm-hmm. uh, love addiction. I actually would, I would actually say a more accurate term is like relationship addiction is an actual thing. When we're swiping on Tinder or when we're ideating about somebody, fantasizing about them, it triggers dopamine release in, in our brains. Mm. Like it is addictive, mm-hmm. actually. Um, you know, and so it is a thing that sometimes people go to when they don't want to feel their own discomfort and relationships will bring up our own discomfort. It's not going to be comfortable all the time. Um, I don't think there's any perfect person alive on planet earth at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, there is such a thing as compatibility. Mm-hmm. Compatibility is a huge thing, but a lot of times we don't even know who's compatible to us because again, we don't know who the fuck we are. Yeah. We don't know what we actually need in a relationship, you know? And so getting clear about that is really, really important so that we can actually be saying no to the right people and actually be saying yes to the right people and Mm. circumstances, you know? Um, I also think that there's this idea that, um, you know, you were sort of speaking to this a little bit, uh, Alexa, but, you know, it's like if they're not... um, they're not treating me this perfect way. <laughs> like, yeah. Or if they're not showing up in exactly the way that I want, then like I'm cutting them out. And you know, it's, it's the start of 2020. So you see all these posts about like, we're cutting toxic people out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's like, there's, there's like a, a, a big, um, you know, truth about like, about that, which is that, you know, there, there are sometimes people in your life that are not healthy and it's self-loving to say, I don't want to engage anymore. My entire family, I don't talk to anymore. So like, Mm. I understand birth family, I should say. Um, I understand the necessity for that at times, but it's not every time in every relationship that you get hurt or that you get triggered. If you're running at the first sign of trouble in a relationship, the first time somebody does something that you don't like, it's a commitment issue. Mm -hmm. Yep, That's what it is. Yeah. Mm. And oh, go ahead, Amy. No, I was gonna go off topic, so please ask your question. Oh, I was just gonna say, and with commitment issues, what from um, what is that at the heart okay. of it? What is Nick? Oh my god, I love yeah. I love talking about commitment. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite um, one of my favorite topics. So um, 
Many people do not commit fully because they don't have a clear enough sense of self, actually. Mm -hmm. When you have a clear sense of self, which is all that like boundaries are really, yeah, just this awareness of like, this is kind of who I am, what I want, what I need, what I value. When you know that and something comes across your path that you can feel or know is right for you, you will pour all of your energy in the direction of that thing. And that's all that commitment actually is. It's I'm making a choice with my free will. And this is the part that people get wrong. It's a choice that you make with your free will to pour your energy in that direction because you want to hold space for this higher outcome that you're seeing. Most people don't see their own choice in commitment. Because we were forced to do a lot of things that we didn't want to do. I mean, let's just be real. That's how our society is structured. You have to go to school. You know, I don't want to put on my shoes. You have to put on your shoes. You know, (laughs) this is what we do, right? So it's like, we don't learn that we have a choice. So people mistake keeping endless options open for freedom. Mm, And what it really is, is I'm going to go shallow in this area, shallow in this area, shallow in this area, shallow in this area, scatter all my energy around. But it's not true freedom because you're not choosing that even. You're doing that out of a reaction of feeling trapped or enslaved by something or someone. And that feeling is real. It comes from somewhere. And it's important to look at that and address that, you know. But, but whenever you're making an actual commitment, it's so important to check in and say, is this my choice? Mm-hmm. Why am I choosing this consciously with my free will? Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love – there are some good nuggets in there. I love the way you explained <laughs> that. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's it just made me think of so many times. Like I just think of like the classic like – I don't know, like married couple that's been married for a long time. And like the guy, like I was just thinking of a husband who's like (laughs) almost acting like he's like this wasn't his choice or like or even the the wife or whoever. The ball and chain. Yeah, yeah. Ball and chain. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm tied down. It's all this. Oh, I got to go do that. And it's like, but it was your choice to get. I mean, in most cases, hopefully it was your choice to get into that in the beginning. And then it turns into a different thing. Um, and that can be for various reasons. But yeah, I really like that about um, free will and um, mm-hmm. and yeah, and and then uh, and then like keeping endless options open and thinking yeah. that's freedom is really interesting because the other thing about endless options is that's actually more kind of like imprisonment because I, I feel like human it actually is. Yeah, they don't do well with a lot of options. We think we want a lot of options, but when you go to like Cheesecake Factory and there's a billion things on Cheesecake the menu, is overwhelming. I want to die. <laughs> it's yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. It's overwhelming. It and this is a pattern that some people have in relationships, actually. I've worked with people where it's like, I'm going to have 18 million friends and about 50 guys on the back burner or women, depending mm. on your, you know, who you date. But so that... Um, if one falls through, I have a million more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what happens is the connections that you do have of those 8 million friends and those 50 people on the back burner to date, they're not nourishing. They're not sustainable. They're not actually meeting your needs. They're shallow. And, and what I like to think about it, and again, your listeners won't be able to actually see this, but if you're watching the video, it's like you're holding on to these different all these different strands, these threads, these strings. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is that you're bound. Trying to get them all. Yeah. And so instead, it's about choosing what do I want to let go of, let go of, because I know what my priorities are, who my people are. You know, mm-hmm. like my partner, Antoine, he is so good at this. He actually, I believe that the reason why he's able to love to the degree that he does. And to just absolutely honor, cherish, protect, and hold dear the people that are closest to him, which is myself and our 
beautiful community and our cats, um, is that he says no to stuff he doesn't want to do. He says no to giving his energy to people that he, he doesn't quite frankly care about very much. You know, he's not going around scattering his energy in a million different places. He's choosing, okay, you're the person I'm going to give my love to like that. And because of that, he has those resources to show up in that way. It's a beautiful thing. So he has very strong commitment energy and he's taught me about commitment. It's also hard for people to know what commitment feels like when no one has ever committed to them. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ideally, you would sit across from a person and you would be able to feel like when I talk about Antoine, like you might be able to feel mm-hmm. like how committed I am to this man. Mm-hmm. Like it is so solid. It's not wavering for a second. This is what's going to happen. We're going to be together. I'm going to show up to the best of my ability every single day because it's my choice. A lot of people have never felt that from anyone. Yeah. Wow. I was just thinking that – I was just thinking about my – yeah, my kind of adolescence and growing up and I I never felt like anyone committed to me fully. Like I never yeah. felt like I experienced that when I was younger. I always was wanting it and never felt like like and even when I had like relationships when I got older, it was like it was always this like kind of half thing. Like, oh, it's a long distance thing or oh, right. like and it never felt like 100%. Um until my current relationship. But I mean, mm. that I didn't understand commitment when I was younger. Like I really just didn't understand it. And that makes so much sense because I ne- it was never right. shown to me. So I didn't have any experience of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if somebody is not committed to you as well, if you think about it, mm-hmm. if you're smart in the ways that like you guys are, um, why the hell would you commit to somebody mm-hmm. who's not committed to you? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you can, and if you make that a conscious choice, you can choose to do that, knowing that, you know, there may be a a way in which they're not going to show up um, to your, you know, preference. Uh, So you get to choose. But, um, but a lot of times, if we can just sense, and this happens at a subconscious level, we can just sense that somebody's not all in with us, we're not going to go all in with them. And so we do this dance. Well, I'll stay if you stay. I'll stay if you stay. You know, yeah. <laughs> kind of going back and forth. but you know, a lot of times, even we didn't feel that from our own parents or our own how family. How do you? How do you? How do I say this? I guess from a mom perspective, like, mm. how do you do that? How do you make your kids feel like you've committed to them? Mm. Um, <clears throat> let me ask you this question first, because it's going to inform my answer better. Okay. Was having children a conscious choice for you? Is it something that you really wanted? Um, I always wanted to be a mom. My okay. first child was not expected. No. Okay. Okay. Nor so there may be. Third. Okay. Okay. So there may be threads to kind of follow and things to sort of explore in that realm around the aspects of your being, like the parts of you, even subconsciously, that. Um, maybe didn't want that to happen. Or, or even if, you know, even if we're really consciously identified with, okay, I really want to be a mom, like that's who I am, you know, a lot of us still will have aspects of us that we're even unaware of Mm -hmm. that maybe didn't want kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so looking at that, that uh, subconscious um, element, is what I would recommend sort of first, because that's going to kind of clear up. Um, It's like, okay, well, what do I need in order to commit then? You know, because maybe it was like, okay, well, the relationship with my mom just sucked. And I, this is my story, by the way. (laughs) It's like, this is why like, this is so ironic. This is my story as well. Keep going. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like, if you've got issues with your mom, Mm -hmm. there's going to be probably parts of you subconsciously, maybe an inner child self, that are like, I don't want to mess up my kids the way my mom messed me up, you know, or I, you know, I don't want to be like her. That's kind of my, my thing. I don't want to be like her. Or if you were really hurt by the world, I was really hurt by the world. There's a part of me that's like, I don't believe that I could protect my children. And that scares me, Mm. you know? 
So for whatever it is for you or whatever it is for the individual, and there's many ways to look at this, right? You can do um, automatic writing. You can do channeling. If you, if you are a channel, you can actually ask to enter into the perspective. This is like specifically for you, Andy, because I know you'll be able to do this super easily. Your listeners can try it as well. I do it all the time. You can actually ask to enter into the perspective of the aspect of you that didn't want kids. Oh, so you can channel entities. You can channel other beings. You can also channel your own personality fragments. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a method that Teal Swan taught me. I don't think it was originated by her. It's, it's sort of like a voice tech, which people can Google if they want. Um, but it's super helpful for me. I, I also um, am a channel. And so it's really easy for me to just bring that energy through. And it's like, I might feel myself all of a sudden I'm three years old mm-hmm. and mom is yelling at me, you know, yeah. or she smacks me across the face. And I, in that moment, you know, this fragmenting occurs of my consciousness mm-hmm. and I am the part of Julia that decided in that moment, I'm never going to, I'm never going to do this. I'm mm-hmm. never going to have a daughter. I'm never going to be like my mom you know, or had some other belief that was formed then, you know, relationships mean pain, Mm. you know, things like that. Um, So that's a really effective way to do, to do that. You can, you can go into that perspective and do some automatic writing about it if you wanted. Um, Or you can just speak out loud, have a conversation, do a little recording. Uh, You can, you know, you can ask someone to help you go into that. Some people find a lot of, uh, a lot of success through hypnosis. What I do is um, a mixture of a lot of things to kind of take people into those places. Uh, But um, sometimes also you can ask to see, like if you're more of a visual person or if, if, your listeners are more visual. You can actually ask to see the part of yourself that is resistant to having children or that is not committed to your kids. Mm -hmm. And you can have a conversation with that, that aspect in your mind's eye, you know, so maybe that's that three-year-old for me. And I might just say, Hey, like, how's it going? How are you feeling? You know, how do you feel about the fact that, that we've got kids now? You know, <laughs> she's like, thank God you're talking to me finally. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's kind of one, um, one avenue that, that I feel like is important to explore if you're looking at commitment issues. Uh, and then, and then it's really about from that place where you have this new awareness and this new integration. How do I, consciously choose to move forward to commit to these kids in a way that makes sense for me and that um, ensures that I also have needs met, Mm. right? So like if the need for this part of you that you just accessed in this example, this three-year-old, like let's say she just really needs to feel safe, Mm -hmm okay, how do you need to feel safe? Um, Well, I need to be able to talk to someone if the kids trigger me. Okay, who would you like for us to talk to? Do you want to talk to adult me? Do you want to talk to um, your husband's name, Ambie's Alex? Alex, yep. Yeah, you want to talk to Alex? Do you want to, you know, whatever, like whatever it is that that um, that that part of you might need to be more on board with you Mm. in terms of like, this is what we're doing. This is our priority. Like for me, it's living in community. Mm-hmm. I realized that I'm the type of person that having a supportive partner is amazing. But if I'm going to have kids, I actually need more support, mm-hmm. you know? And I did that by really looking into like, what's my resistance to, to having kids? What is that about? You know, does that make sense? Is that yeah, helpful? that does. Yeah. That's very helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was all, yeah, those are some amazing strategies to use. Um, If this resonates with you, definitely try that out. You know, I think both of us have done some of that work in the past Mm -hmm. as well. And it's, it's so amazingly powerful to realize that like 
There's parts of you that still live on that have voices that are not being heard. And yes. all they want is to be heard and, uh, you know, not pushed away or silenced anymore. They just want to know Absolutely. that. Yeah. And, and it's very powerful to realize, like, you can – like you're saying, Julia, like you can basically like reparent those parts, you know, you can join Absolutely. together and work together to get those parts what they need. And that, yeah, that's been it's so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else um, before we wrap up that you feel super called to share about relationships or any of your, any, anything in this area? I mean, wow, like it's such a big topic. And yeah. honestly, it's been, it's been so wonderful um, to share everything up to this point. Um, I think that I want to encourage people to look at their communication as well, but that's like a whole different episode. We might have to yeah. talk about doing a series maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'll be glad cool. later about that, but um, but, you know, I recommend the book Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I recommend that more frequently than any other book um, as far as. What was it called? Non- I got to get non- a pen. Nonviolent Communication. Nonviolent Communication. Okay. Yes. By Marshall. Marshall Rosenberg. Awesome. We'll put and, that in and the show notes. resources on Thank his you. website as well. It's about minimizing defensiveness in conversations um, and maximizing understanding and empathy and expediting the process of moving toward a solution so that we're working together to solve a problem rather than becoming defensive, seeing one another as the adversary and Mm -hmm. deflecting our shame all over one another or yelling or whatever it is that we're doing. So that's one little just nugget that I wanted to share for people who are struggling, maybe who already have relationships that are like, how do I resolve conflict? You know, because that's a big piece is learning how to communicate and resolve conflict. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, that's mm -hmm. huge. We'll put that link to the book in the show notes so people can check it out. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just would love to just leave people with, once again, like this idea – that I, I want people to think about just around um, it being okay to need people, yeah. you know, and, and if you have resistance coming up in your body, when I say that, I just want to encourage you to be with that in a compassionate way and get curious about it and explore it. Um, but if you're someone who knows that you need people, And it's been a source of shame for you, you know, or you're someone that's struggling a lot and you don't feel supported. And so you feel very overwhelmed by life and you're wondering what's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) And it's okay um, to need people. That is powerful. It like resonates very deeply within me like that. It's Mm. almost, I feel like it's almost taboo like to need people. It is. It is. And particularly in the spiritual community, you know, there's this idea of this glorified independence that we have. Um, and, and it's, it's just, there's a shadow to that. It's not that it's not true. Once again, you know, everything I said before, but there's a shadow in that, in, in that, you know, quite honestly, if I'm going to be really real about it, Mm. the spiritual community is full of people who have avoidant attachment styles Mm. (laughs) who are afraid of intimacy because people hurt them. Yeah. And so they go up instead of saying, staying here or they go Mm. in instead of engaging, Mm. you know? Yes. So uh, for a lot of us, it's about, Oh my God, how do I get out of my humanity? Because it hurts. (laughs) Yeah. That's so (laughs) true. When, when, Right. Yeah. When in fact, it's like there's this um, call to move towards humanity, your humanity, and it's messy, and it's like ugly sometimes, and it's not just like it's not like life on the Pleiades. That's yeah. what I'll share. You know? <laughs> it's a lot different. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a lot more messy, but. Um, it's worth it to explore. Yeah, it's worth it. Oh my God, is it worth it? It's the best thing that I've done in my life is to prioritize connection. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh, thank you so much, Julia. That's such a beautiful place to end. Um, this has been amazing to have you. Yeah, we'll have to talk about you coming back because um, I'm sure we can dive into so much more on this topic. Um, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you, connect with you, work with you? How can they find you? Sure. Um, so you can find me on Facebook as Julia Phoenix. On Instagram, I am at Julia Phoenix 11. 11 is spelled out like the word. Uh, we're revamping my website right now. So it's sort of in transition, but it's uh, Julia Phoenix 11, again, spelled out um, in wordform.com. And probably the best way to get a hold of me is through Facebook and you can send me a message. Uh, and I have a Facebook group as well. That's quite active. We're over a thousand members now and Ooh. it's a really safe. I know. Um, I had this goal. I was like, I'm going to get to a thousand by, by 2020 and it just happened in December. So I was wow. like, yeah. Good Congratulations. job. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's been beautiful to watch it grow. It is, um, Something that I find quite rare on Facebook actually is like a safe container um, to really express about some of these messy human emotions um, mm -hmm. and receive, uh, you know, validation and mirroring and support and um, just has that sort of community element, which you guys know I'm all about. So um, that's called Julia's Inner Child Playground and Healing Community. So you can search that on Facebook and join. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. We will put all that information in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Um, thank you, Julia, for being here once again. Um, and let's just, before we close out, we're just going to thank our Patreons. Adonica Haskell, Alex Anderson, Alex Latiri, a million little changes.com, Kara Miranda, Charm City Foster Mama on Instagram, Cheyenne Carroll, Courtney Fahey, Dana McFadden, Dana Phillips, Evil Tattoo, Heather Mao, Jamie Purinton, Jamie Edward, Jamie McMahon, Lori Johnston, Mandy Ford, Maribel Munsey, Mimi M. Netter, Nicolette Pierce, Peter School of Irish Dance, Priscilla Marquez, Renee Hart, Sammy Jean, Sarah Mahan, Shannon McCoy, Sean Doe, Sheena Bowen, Tammy Lip, Tiffany Polito, Whitney and the Ghost. And your Radical Heart QHHT and Nike. Thank you all so much for supporting us. We love you so we can, you know, connect with amazing people like Julia. And uh, <laughs> until next time, keep on blooming, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.